Welcome, everyone, to the Grade A Movies Podcast. I'm Larry Lann, and I am your host. And the stars of the show are the two gentlemen who write for GradeAMovies.com, Adam Austin and Alec Toombs. Welcome, gentlemen. Always good to see you, Adam. Good to see you, Larry. Alec? Good to see you, Larry. So you and Adam. S- you can see that we are on video and audio. If it's audio, of course, it's only... You're only hearing this. If it's video, uh, you can uh, see us as we speak. A lot to talk about on the. Uh, by the way, the one thing I, w- I just saw this morning, and I was go- I forgot to mention this before we started, but as we record this, there is um, a coronavirus stimulus program which is uh, going to the Congress. I guess it's it's a huge bill. They haven't even released the the text of it at the time that we are uh, recording this. But my understanding is there will be some relief for independent small movie theaters. So we'll keep a closer eye on that. If that's the case, that's very good news. Not to get too political, I will point out that while Congress is giving us the $600 check, uh, they've been earning about $450 a day, every member of Congress. so great job, Congress! Um, earn, you know, wealthy people earning your four hundred and fifty dollars a day for uh, waiting forever, forever to give us six hundred dollars. So, thanks, Congress. That was a pay, uh, an unpaid political announcement. By the way, by the way, Adam's not the only one that's mentioned this. So I say one thing I've noticed, and this has happened over the last twenty or thirty years. The people who serve in Congress are, tend to be very wealthy people. That was not always the case. So um, maybe that has something to do with it. Okay, so uh, we'll just say that maybe uh, some independent film theaters may be able to remain open and not shutter for good as a result of this, but we don't know the details. It's just something we are watching very carefully. But let's talk about movies. And the movie that uh, I think all three of us have seen and that we want to talk about today Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. This is a film about the history of music, about a particular singer named Ma Rainey. And it's, it, uh, well, I'm not going to uh, tell you what I think. I think you two can, can express yourselves very well. I've been looking forward to seeing this film. I, it was worth the wait. So let me start with Adam. Adam, you have seen Ma Rainey's Black Bottom uh, Kind of tell it's just I'm just giving you an overview that it's about music. It's about a recording session in Chicago in the 1920s. So tell me your your take yeah. on the film. So start off. This film is buying from one of my favorite films of the year. Uh, this and another film called One Night in Miami, which I'll review later. Very similar movies. Both talk about the black experience. Both are fictional uh, accounts of hi- real historical people. And both are based on plays. Um, And uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, um, if you've seen Fences, then you might be familiar with the work of August Wilson, that acclaimed playwright who a lot of people don't know. Um, He did, uh, he's since passed away in 2005, um, but he did a lot of plays that talked about the black experience. And there's, they're not the kind of plays that you see in the high school auditorium. So um, this may be one of, few people's chances to see some of his works. Um, Denzel Washington is a huge fan of August Wilson. Obviously, he acted and directed uh, Fences, which he was nominated for, and uh, Viola Davis won her first Oscar for that. Um, She may win another Oscar for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. 
She's very good. This time Denzel is producer only, but you can tell that his fingerprints are all over this work, uh, even though he didn't direct it or act in this film. He was probably a little too old for the Chadwick Boseman part. He could have played one of the lesser parts, but I'm, I'm sure Denzel was hands-on. George C. Wolfe is the director, and he's mostly from a theater background. And I've actually seen one of his shows on Broadway in high school. We went to a trip to New York City for a high school theater class. And we saw this play called Top Dog Underdog, and it was a two-man play with most Def and Jeffrey Wright directed by George C. Wolfe, and it was fantastic. So this guy knows how to coach actors, but what I was impressed is he actually knows how to bring visuals to life too. It's really difficult when you have a play that is mostly dialogue and you have to bring it to life to the screen to make it interesting, to make it dynamic. And I think uh, they did a great job with that. Um, he made a few changes from the play. Um, he actually, the original play was set in the winter in a snowy time and in Chicago. He changes it, makes it in the hot summer, which I thought was a brilliant change because the heat and the sweat shows the tensions building in the characters and gets them at that boiling point. Uh, um, Chadwick Boseman, um, we've already talked about him on this podcast, that he was a tremendous talent, even beyond the superhero work. He did great as Black Panther, but... Um, this and The Five Bloods by Spike Lee. He might get nominated for Best Actor and Best Supporting Actor this year and could win one or both. Um, he's very good, and it's a shame that we don't have him for more movies. Um, he His talent really shows on the screen, and uh, I'm really impressed by this movie. Um, Viola Davis is always great. Right now, she is the Black Meryl Streep. She is always good in movies. She will win more Oscars. She already has one. She will win more, and she deserves them. Um, I have a, so many good things to say about this movie. And if you really loved it, Netflix actually has a half-hour behind-the-scenes making of the movie that you can watch, too. So you can find out the themes, the history behind it, the real Ma Rainey, and uh, kind of uh, how they put this together. If you like the making of movies, that's worth watching. I give this five stars. Uh, it'll be in my top five movies of the year. Yeah, I'm right with you there. I gave it an A grade. Uh, it's a, I haven't seen every movie this year. This is definitely the best I've seen. And there may be others just as good, but it's right up there with the best. And I think, uh, Adam, you said something, and I'll, I'll have Alec weigh in here in a moment. It's very difficult, as you mentioned, to get a really good stage play and, and transform that into a compelling film. One example of that was 12 Angry Men. And uh, that was done through camera shots, constantly moving around, getting close-ups of the people in the room. That's how the director was able to, to, to get that stage playing and make the, the uh, audience feel close to it. I think it was the ensemble cast. It wasn't just the two stars. They were terrific. But the whole cast did their part. All the members in the band, all the, the, the manager from Ma Rainey, who just constantly <laughs> is, is, is on the other end of screaming matches with Ma Rainey, and the owner of the recording studio, who's the producer, all of them, just terrific job acting. I'm just going to say one thing. You mentioned Viola Davis and Chadwick Boseman. Because the whole cast was so good, Glenn uh, Turman played a, a member of the band called Toledo. He was the pianist. Coleman Domingo played Cutler, guitar and, and trombone. 
Michael Potts played a uh, called Slow Drag. He was the, the bass player. Then uh, we have Johnny Coyne, who played Mel Sturdivant, the man who was the producer and the owner of the, um, of, of the recording studio. Uh, Taylor Page plays uh, Dusty May, who is Ma's young girlfriend, yet uh, Chadwick Boseman's character uh, starts making a play for her. That was interesting. Uh, Jeremy Shamos plays Irvin, the manager. Uh, and there's a character, there's a, there's a part there for Ma's nephew, Sylvester, played by Dusan Brown, and he, he has a very interesting, almost comical um, part in the film. So I, I think that um, the whole cast needs some credit. I'm going to bring in Alec. Alec, uh, I know we've said a lot. I'm sure you have your own thoughts on this film. I was a big fan of the picture also. Uh, I'm not sure I, I like it quite as well as you and Adam, but uh, I, would, I would give it four and a half out of five stars. I do think it's one of the better movies of 2020. Um, Viola Davis seems to be getting quite a bit of the buzz, but to me, this was Chadwick Boseman's movie. I mean, he knocked it square out of the park. I thought he was amazing in the movie. Yeah, and I think this will be remembered as Chadwick Boseman's last film. Viola Davis, that's a great performance, but I think if you look at film history, this will be known as, as Chadwick Boseman's last film, and it will remind people just what, it, as Adam mentioned, what an incredible talent We've lost so much work he could have done had, had his health held out. So all three of us are high on the film. Alec, not quite as high, but still pretty high. We all think it's a great film. It's in some limited theater release. It is on Netflix, and that's how you watch it. And I have not watched the documentary film. Didn't have time to do that last night uh, that Adam mentioned on Netflix. I will watch that here in the near future. I, I will note two things. One... This was a great year for cast members of The Wire. If you ever watched that HBO show, there was two of them uh, in this movie. Lynn Terman, who played Toledo, he was uh, Baltimore Mayor Clarence Royce on The Wire. And uh, there was another guy who, uh, who played one of the other band members who had like a small part in The Wire. But The Five Bloods has two Wire members mm -hmm. uh, in lead roles, both Wendell Pierce and uh, Clark uh, Peters, and uh, I love the guy who played the state senator on The Wire. He did still throw in a shit right in The Five Bloods, which was his catchphrase on The Wire. He threw one in there, and I really appreciated that. Um, so if you're a fan of The Wire, two Chadwick Boseman movies with Wire actors in there, it's great. Um, to be fair, every year is a good year for the cast of The Wire. Those people have been killing it ever since that show ended. <laughs> every movie I watch, I tell my wife, that person was on The Wire. She's like, of course they were. Um, and then if you look at the who was played. So um, Viola Davis played Ma Rainey in this. I looked at who played them in the plays. The original Broadway cast was an actress named Teresa Merritt, who is probably our generation knows her as uh, the housekeeper in Billy Madison. If you remember that. Juanita? Yes. She was Ma Rainey. Uh, and they did a revival in 2003 with Whoopi Goldberg oh. as Ma Rainey. Okay. In both versions, Levy was played by a very talented black actor, Charles S. Dutton, who you might know from his TV show uh, Rock that was on in the Fox in the 90s. He's been in a bunch of th things. Uh, but here's another interesting thing. When they did the 2003 revival, a, a very unknown actor had a small role as Sylvester, the stuttering nephew, and that's Anthony Mackie, who would later go on to be 
Falcon in the Avengers movies and, and many other films. So, yeah, the last thing I'll say about this film, uh, it is a very good, I it is a very good barometer of what it was like to be black in America in the 1920s, and it was interesting how the playwright and and uh, put into the play how African American people talked about how do you handle white people, and uh, I think that's one of the more interesting parts of the dialogue in this film. Okay, there are some other films that uh, Alec and Adam want to talk about. I'm sorry, Time Out for Alec. There's a few few other things I want to throw in just real quick before we move on. Feel free. Um, One, I did see an interview with Denzel Washington recently on CBS Sunday Morning. Uh, This is the second August Wilson play he's been involved in bringing to the screen. I believe he's planning on bringing the other seven to the screen before you're all said and done. So that's something to look forward to. I will also say I preferred Ma Rainey's to uh, Fences. Uh, I think the material works better at an hour and 30 minutes as opposed to two hours and 20. So uh, like both movies, but I preferred this one. Okay. So I didn't get you in for a last uh, shot there. Okay. Uh, sorry. Since we got Alec already on there, you just recently reviewed a film, GradeAMovies.com, Hunter Hunter. So tell us about that. Hunter Hunter is a uh, horror film released by uh, IFC Films. It uh, stars former teen heartthrob Devin Sawa and uh, another actor I like a lot, uh, Nick Stahl. It is probably one of the better horror films of 2020. It is a slow burn with a uh, explosive payoff. I would say it's not for the squeamish, but uh, adventurous filmmakers will be rewarded. And so you, as I recall, you're, uh, you were pretty high on it in your review. You do recommend people see it. I, I do if you aren't super squeamish. There's stuff in that movie I kind of wish I could unsee, but it, it, it was impactful, and uh, it certainly made an impression. Well, when the director makes it feel that real, you got to say they did their job, right, in terms of making you squeamish. That was obviously what the, uh, the goal was. Well, Adam's already talked about this film a little bit, uh, One Night in Miami. He says this is right up there with Ma Rainey's Black Bottom as to one of the best films of the year. So tell us about that film, Adam. So Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, I was expecting to be great. It has uh, an Oscar winner in a lead role. It had all the pedigree. Um, I was a little surprised uh, pleasantly by One Night in Miami. It is the directorial debut of an Oscar winner for acting, Regina King, a talented actress uh, who uh, won her Best Supporting Actress for um, If Beale Street Could Talk, which I know uh, was one of Alex's favorite movies from the year that it came out. Um, And she was also in The Watchmen, the recent recent HBO miniseries. I don't think they're doing a season two. Um, She is behind the camera turning this play uh, to life. It's about four historical figures in a fictional hangout between them. Uh, you have Cassius Clay. He is not Muhammad Ali yet. Um, Malcolm X, Jim Brown, the famous NFL player, and uh, Sam Cooke. And two of the actors are, are well known. Leslie Odom Jr., who you might know from Hamilton. Uh, he played Aaron Burr in the original Broadway cast. And he also has made a few movie appearances here and there. Uh, in Harriet, he had a small part and he was in the Kenneth Branagh, Agatha Christie movie. But this really is his feature film breakthrough. He could get a Best Supporting Actor nomination for his portrayal as Sam Cooke. Great singing, but also great acting. 
Um, Aldous Hodge, an actor I know that Alec is a big fan of, um, which last year was in some great movies like Brian Banks um, and Clemency. He plays Jim Brown. And then two actors I had never heard of play Cassius Clay and uh, Malcolm X, and they are just fantastic uh, at embodying the characters. Probably almost as good or better than Will Smith or Denzel Washington in their uh, respective uh, portrayals of those same characters. It really is a film about black identity and different ways to make a difference in the world because all these characters, um, they had their different ways they fought against racism and the system. Malcolm X was, of course, more militant. Uh, Cassius Clay was going in there, but he still you know, wanted to be loved. Um, Sam Cooke, they, they talked about how he was making music that white people would like and would that somehow uh, advance the black cause or should he be making music directed aimed, uh, aimed uh, directly at black people. It great brings up great themes. It's some of the best acting I've seen on film all of 2020 with Ma Rainey being also a contender for that. Uh, and it's just a joy to watch. Um, obviously some people who when they see Malcolm X on screen are not going to want to watch it uh, because they, they get their preconceived notions. But I would encourage people to check this out. It will be free to stream if you have an Amazon Prime membership on Christmas Day. So Christmas Day is loaded because in addition to Wonder Woman 1984 on HBO Max and Soul on Disney+, Plus, you have this for a, a more adult option uh, for uh, Amazon Prime. Regina King does a fantastic job. And I hope this film has a similar audience to Ma Rainey. So there's a chance maybe this film might get overlooked come award time, but it's very good. Well, now, let me make sure I have this straight. If you have Amazon Prime, it's free on Christmas Day only. You pay for it otherwise? No, I think it's free after Christmas. Oh, okay. after, after Christmas. Okay. I have yeah, I've seen some out information. I, I saw a release date of January fifteenth. I thought maybe it was in theaters at first, maybe for a few weeks. Um, let me check. Maybe uh, they might have changed the release date too. Yeah, while yeah. Uh, Adam is checking that, Alec, one thing I forgot to ask you: when you reviewed Hunter Hunter, how available is that, and where is it available? You can rent it on VOD right now. I think it probably costs six or seven dollars. Okay, so it's there, streaming video on demand. You have to pay a, a, a fee to see that. But uh, I think that uh, I've heard all about One Night in Miami, and I, I heard the storyline that Adam mentioned, and uh, sounds like a very intriguing film. Adam, do you have more for us? Yeah, I was incorrect. It comes out in theaters Christmas Day, limited theatrical release. It'll be on Prime January fifteenth. So not too long. All right. So a couple I wasn't of trying to be a know-it-all. I just didn't want to lead our, our listeners or viewers. No, no. no I'm glad you're right. No, that's good. My enthusiasm we... got away from me. Look, Adam and I never worried about correcting each other, so <laughs> Alec, you need not worry about that. And trust me, I need to be corrected on a regular basis. I'm not as young as I used to be. We had uh, Christopher Lloyd on the program, uh, what, a couple, three weeks ago, and um, he told us that the Indiana Film Journalists Association would be meeting and announcing their awards about this time. They were released over the weekend, and uh, some of the films are, are not available yet. In fact, the film that they really talk about as their best film is Nomad Land, which is a film of, uh, starring Francis McDormand, which is sort of a 
a common, I ain't going to have seen it. I've read the uh, summaries. It's about a lady who basically lives in her trailer or whatever, something like that, and is a modern-day nomad because of the uh, economy and the changes in, in, in what's going on. So uh, nomad land I don't think is going to be available until February. Is it you? I think, Alec, you were the one that told me that. Yeah, that's correct. I think it so, comes out mid-February. So that would include theaters and video on demand. So I think one thing that uh, Indiana Film Journal Association, they, they band together is to get uh, uh, some regular screenings. So I'm sure they've had screenings that we just haven't had a chance to see yet, which is fine. So that's a film to look forward to. I'm looking forward to seeing that. We can all talk about that at the time it comes out for everyone. And their best film runner-up was Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. They had a lot of other films that... Uh, uh, were finalists, and I'm not going to list them all. Uh, Defined Bloods is one. Another Round, which Adam and I reviewed last time, a foreign film which I liked, probably not as much as, as the association generally did. Um, one film that I am looking forward to seeing, I think it's uh, been out for a while, and it's available video on demand at a reduced price. I think last time I checked, it was only a couple of dollars. It's called The 20th Century. It's all written out. And it's a Canadian film. It has a Canadian uh, theme to it. Uh, that's really all I know. And so it's I'm going to make an effort. It's really to look. bizarre. Well, bizarre is, is I've heard that as well. So maybe it's worth watching. Uh, but they've got some other films on that list uh, uh, that just didn't quite make it. Now, uh, Adam, they did mention as a runner-up a film that you've talked about, Wolf Walkers. Their uh, best animated feature winner was Soul, S-O-U-L. Anybody seen that? No, I don't think we got those screeners yet. I will okay. say there's a few others they mentioned that I watched recently. Uh, I watched First Cow, which I know is getting a lot of uh, awards love. It's a A24 film. I, lo I liked it. Um, I think Chris Lloyd made a comment that it was uh, an 88-minute story told in two hours, and uh, I probably would agree with his assessment. I did like it, though. I mean, it was. Uh, it starts off so slow, though, and it does pick up eventually. Um, but if you're a patient viewer, that's good. And I watched another film that, again, this might be the slowest movie I watched this year, but had good acting, The Nest. Um, it is uh, an IFC film's film with Jude Law and Carrie Coon. Uh, she's a great actress and she does a great job, but, uh, and Jude Law does a good job, but it is slow. And by the end, not much happened. It's about a rich guy who pretends to be rich. He really spends too much money and he's kind of broke. And uh, his BSing is starting to run short on people. Uh, so if you like good acting, you might enjoy it. Um, if you uh, are an impatient viewer, I don't know what to tell you. This is a slow. Don't bail out in, in the early minutes is what you're saying. I forgot to mention this. I, I'm, I'm glad you brought it back to their, uh, uh, the ones that almost made it. Uh, the film that I really liked, it did not get a lot of love anywhere, and I don't know whether the Academy will even consider it. It's called The Assistant, and it's about this girl who uh, goes to a first-class college Gets a, uh, get, uh, graduates there and, and is competing with all these other people to be basically an assistant to a film producer. And even though it doesn't pay much of anything, it's a, it's a, it's a stepping stone to get into Hollywood. Well, this person that she works for ends up being somebody who is 
uh, a serial sexual harasser, at least the carry, we can maybe think it might be, there might be some real life connections there, but we'll leave that aside. The assistant uh, is where she learns the truth about what happens in Hollywood and how women are abused and just seem to take it. And she just gets very upset, even though nobody makes a pass at her. She's very upset about the other women around her who are being abused. The Assistant is a film that I really liked, and it's a, but it's one of those slow rollers, like Adam said. It's not going to bowl you over, and you have to kind of let it unfold before you. I saw this in a movie theater before everything shut down, so uh, that's just a few comments there. The best foreign language film, Adam, is another round. We both liked it. Uh, their runner-up is Song Without a Name. I have not seen that. Has anyone else seen it? Okay. I got a lot of catching up to do with this list. I've been too busy well, reviewing her yeah. and Schlock to, yeah, <laughs> to but you see know, all this highfalutin stuff. What was it Adam, Adam, uh, not Adam, um, Christopher Lloyd told us it's because they're on these screening lists. He just gets these um, these these discs that pile up for him to see, and sometimes he doesn't even get to all of them. Uh, one, I love documentary films, but this one passed me by, and that was their winner for Best Documentary. It's on Netflix. It's called Dick Johnson is Dead. And it's about Alzheimer's, and it's about uh, what people, what happens to people as they age, and 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 you know things, bad things happen. It's about someone's father. So I've got to go see that one. I have not picked that up on Netflix yet. But the runner-up also won their Hoosier Award. It's Athlete A. Athlete A is all about the investigation done at the Indianapolis Star about uh, about the gymnastics organization. And uh, we all know, if you've read anything of what happened there, there were, were major scandals and and uh, people went to jail over this. This was a pretty serious thing. and uh, But it goes behind the scenes with the reporters, how they did the reporting. One of the reporters, Marissa Kwiatkowski, I believe now has moved on to be an investigative reporter at the national level with USA Today. So she's moved up in the organization. So have, you, has, have either one of you seen Athlete A? I would I rec not. would recommend you take a little time and see that I on Netflix. A good documentary this year called yes. Seventy Six Days, mm -hmm. uh, um, and that is about um, China's lockdown in Wuhan uh, when this first happened. And uh, it's it's interesting. You see some of the things that they did to control the spread. You're like, oh, I wish we would have done that. And some things you're like, okay, uh, you know, I wanted to stop the spread, but that's a little uh, draconian, freedom wise. Uh, but it's China. China doesn't have to uh, ask your permission to do something. They just do it. Yeah, my understanding is, and I, I probably was in this documentary, that what the Chinese would do at Wuhan and any place else if it was an outbreak, they'd, they'd grab you off the street, test you, and throw you in a hotel and say, stay there for 15 days or whatever the time lapse was there. And I had that a talk. That sounds like that Michael Bay movie that <laughs> Alex talked about. <laughs> well, I, did, I, did you check that one out yet, Larry? You seem pretty excited. I, I have not seen it yet, but I'll, I'll tell Adam that I did have a, a talk with a few of our local elected officials and fishers, and they agreed that we should not be doing that, even though we do want to fight the the pandemic. <laughs> Hauling people off the streets and knocking them away is not the American thing to do. It's the Chinese thing to do, and it may, maybe it's effective, but. Uh, yeah, thanks for mentioning that. I'll uh, I'll look for that one. I may want to see that. Uh, there was some other uh, uh, best director. Their best director award went to the Nomadland director uh, Chloe Zhao, and um, and One Night in Miami. The director there got the uh, runner up for the association. Larry, you loved uh, the previous film that Chloe Zhao did, The Writer, right? Oh, you and I both liked that. Yes, and I I saw her name and I thought, boy, now I remember she was the writer 
Uh, and that was a very different film, I'm sure, than One Night in Miami. But, you know, she does think out of the box as a director, does she not? Yeah, and you know what she's doing next, her next project? I do not. Tell me. It is a Marvel movie. She is directing uh, a film called The Eternals, which has Angelina Jolie and a couple guys from Game of Thrones, and they're these celestial, godlike superhero creatures that I, I don't, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't read that comic book. It's but the it will movie called I'm sorry. What did you say, Alec? Uh, Eternals. It's the movie Kumail Nanjiani. Okay. Got all well, be... Yeah, I think Alec. Oh, yeah, he. Yeah, Adam, he got you're, really... you're, you're cutting out just a little bit, Alec. Not too bad, Adam. Just a little bit. Yeah, she was Kumail Nanjiani from The Big Sick. He uh, he got really muscular for this movie. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's interesting because you know some MCU movies when you get an interesting director uh, I think they can be pretty cool I know that you thought Ryan Coogler did a great job with Black Panther and maybe Louis Zhao will do an interesting thing with the Eternals well I think uh, we'll see if she puts her own stamp on it or whether she'll be you know within those boundaries that Marvel will give her I think that's that's something worth watching when that film comes out at a later date um the Best Actress Award from the association was Nomadlands, uh, Frances McDormand. So, again, looking forward to seeing that. Uh, the winner for Supporting Actress was, uh, if I pronounce this right, Maria Bakalova for Borat. I did not watch Borat. Either one of you watch Borat? You remember my thoughts on Borat. Oh, that's right. You did watch it. I don't remember. Okay. So, you, <laughs> what, so do you think that was in any way uh, uh, deserving for Maria Bakalova? Yeah. Okay. Good. I mean, he was the best part of that movie. I think Glenn Close probably will win the Academy Award for Supporting Actress. As much as some people didn't like Hillbilly Elegy. Well, I, I never criticized it. I did not criticize her performance. The film itself, I, I wasn't crazy yeah. about. She was very good. And come on, Glenn Close may not be around forever. Let's give her an offer. Yeah, you've made that point. And I think Christopher Lloyd said that, too. Like, she only gets so many chances. She's, what, in her 70s now. Only so many roles come along when you get to that age. Best actor was uh, Delroy Lindo for The Five Bloods. Everybody think that's a good idea? What do you think, Alec? I thought he was outstanding in the movie, and I wouldn't be surprised if he, he wins. Chadwick Boseman may win, too. Um, Probably a two-man race, I would figure. Yeah, and their their runner-up, Adam, for Best Actor, was Chadwick Boseman. I probably would have put him number one. What would you have voted had you had a vote? I probably would have put him number one, too. Um, Delroy Lindo was very good. Uh, I thought Chadwick was a little bit better. Um, You know, there was some great performance. I would would say Chadwick uh, Boseman, Delroy Lindo. um, You know, I think Gary Oldman deserves a nomination for Mank. I know that I noticed that IFJA did not give Mank even a nomination when they did like their 20 films. There were a lot of people who did not like that film. There were a few that did, um, and uh, they didn't give much love to Hillbilly Elegy either. Uh, Riz Ahmed for uh, Sound of Metal would be another one that I would say be worthy of a nomination. Uh, and then here's one: if you consider this in the in the category. Hugh Jackman for Bad Education was fantastic. My question is, will that be qualified for Oscars, or will HBO try to go the Emmy route for it? Well, did it uh, did it play in theaters? I don't think it did. Do you think, Alec? I don't think it, it did. In those rules, it played at right? Sundance. It um, played at Sundance? Okay. It played at Sundance, but it didn't play in a traditional movie theater. I'm Gold guessing 
Soul's not going to be in any theaters, and that'll be right. Nice. But that's kind of like the Netflix model. Uh, for whatever reason, they seem to have HBO as TV. Well, I thought they changed some of the rules this year. They did well, for net. I think the Academy kind of makes the rules for how they want to do things, like a lot of, like, I don't know, maybe college football playoffs. <laughs> so, you know, you make your own rules and get the people in you want. So uh, because it's Hugh Jackman, maybe they'll give him the shot. But I think he was I, great. I love that film, too, Bad Education. I think the question, I think the, the way someone told me is if they submit it for Emmy, then you can't submit it for Oscar. Well, I think I that think is true. Yeah. That, that is true. Yeah, so we'll see. It'll be a lot largely up to uh, the producers and the, the network. Here's one that uh, I'd like to get your view on because they have a best ensemble acting category, which I think is really interesting. And I think it's creative that they even have that category at the Film Journal Association for Indiana. But the winner was Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Now, I said that I really liked the supporting cast. All those people that I read off did outstanding jobs in a kind of an ensemble way. But, Alec, I don't know about you. I think that um, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is still a little more star-motivated. Uh, what do you think? I'm a little biased. There's an actor who's in Ma Rainey who I'm a big, big fan of, Coleman Domingo. He was also in uh, If Beale Street Could Talk a few years ago. He was in a movie I love called Assassination Nation. Uh, he was in Selma. And he's on a TV show that I like a lot called Euphoria. Um, he stood toe-to-toe with Chadwick Boseman in the movie, and I think came across really well. Um, Glenn Turman, we didn't mention this, just won the Los Angeles Critics Association Best Supporting Actor. He wouldn't have been my choice, but he's a very talented actor, and I thought was good in the movie. So, Adam, um, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, uh, is it a star-driven film, or is it an ensemble cast? How would you uh, evaluate that? I'd say ensemble is fine. The only one, again, One Night in Miami might be the only other one because there's four lead actors in there that are all really good, so that's probably more of an ensemble. Uh, But Ma Rainey, I think everyone has the moments to shine. Remember, Coleman Domingo, he gives that speech about God, um, Mm -hmm. and it may be a brief moment, but he really touches on some themes in religion. yeah, Glenn Turman has a really powerful scene, not to spoil anything, in the climax of the film. Um, so, I don't know. I, I think they, they all did a fantastic job. Obviously, this is more of an ensemble movie than, say, uh, Mank, which was just a star vehicle for um, Gary Oldman. Um, and I hear Nomadland, by its nature, is mostly Francis McDormand. So... Uh, we'll see. One film they had a lot of nominations for that I'm eager to watch is called Minari. Yes, Minari. Uh, Stephen Yoon, uh, which uh, became famous from uh, The Walking Dead, the original one. Uh, he 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 can speak in you know in English on that show, but here he's speaking mostly Korean, and it's about a, a Korean man who moves to the United States and becomes a farmer, and then he has struggles with his farm. Uh, by again, a two four, a wonderful. Uh, studio producing interesting movies every year. Uh, they won a Best Picture for Moonlight. And so I'll be interested to see that one when it comes out, but I hear we may have to wait, too. That and Nomadland. Yep, there's going to be I believe wait. both Nomadland and Minari played as part of the Heartland Film Festival, so we, we dropped the ball perhaps in not seeing it, but uh, or them, rather. But uh, good for them for getting those good movies. 
Um, one other thing I was, yeah, I, I was going to mention also the, on the best ensemble acting, I think you can make an argument either way. That's why I wanted you to weigh in. It has ensemble, but it, you got two big stars in there. I think you could argue it either way. But Adam, uh, the runner-up for best ensemble acting was One Night in Miami, and you mentioned that that seemed to be a good uh, vehicle for an ensemble cast. Uh, I'm, those are some of the major, they were more categories. I won't get into the whole thing, but that's... Uh, uh, Indiana Film Journalists Association, a good, a great group of people. One thing that what we know about that organization is talking to Christopher Lloyd, and uh, I think it's pretty clear he liked Mank pretty well, and it never got out any list. So they have a very democratic, small d, democratic method of trying to make sure that they get a some of a consensus of what all of them think, rather than one one or two of the the members think. So uh, you have to give them credit for that. Gentlemen, before we go today, uh, this is our last uh, episode before Christmas. So let me start with Alec. Some of your uh, favorite Christmas films. I'm just going to start antagonizing Adam because my favorite Christmas movie, he insists, isn't one. I'm wearing a t-shirt to uh, Nakatomi Plaza, Survivor, 1988. Die Hard, baby. That's my favorite Christmas movie. 100%. Adam, uh, one or more films you uh, like in that Christmas time? So I'll, I'll say my favorite, but let me, because we're going to have some fun. Let me, get, let me tease <laughs> Alec a little bit. <laughs> so we got my wife, uh, which I love my wife. Uh, she doesn't think Home Alone is a Christmas movie, which I disagree with that. Home Alone is a Christmas movie. She says it isn't because the film could take place any time of year and Christmas isn't a main theme. I disagree with that. I think Home Alone is a Christmas movie. There's Christmas themes everywhere. She says Love Actually isn't a Christmas movie. I guess in her defense, the director of that film said it wasn't a Christmas movie. But she would disagree with Alec on Die Hard vehemently. She disagrees with me about a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> but Alec, I've seen some, I don't know if it's you or some of your uh, your friends, but they were saying Batman Returns is a Christmas movie. Uh that Eyes Wide Shut is a Christmas movie because there's a scene in there of Christmas. Oh, dear. I don't know if I ever curl up against the fireplace with my family and say, let's watch Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut. It's a great... The word to the Christmas party is Fidelio. Yep. Uh, You know, I will give you that a lot of films like um, uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Christmas isn't... He does... Shane Black, that director, likes to put Christmas into a lot of his movies. But when I saw an article saying Iron Man 3 is a Christmas movie because it takes place at Christmas, Larry, is Iron Man 3 a Christmas movie? Yeah, I'm going to be more radical than any of you. Die Hard, (laughs) any of these films we talk about, Home Alone, not Christmas movies in my book. You want a Christmas movie? I have a, a short list of them. One is Holiday Inn with Bing Crosby, which later was followed up by a film called White Christmas. Holiday Inn was the film where the song White Christmas uh, was first uh, put forward to the public. It's still the biggest selling single song in the history of American music, White Christmas is. Uh, But I look at, you know, It's a Wonderful Life. I look at uh, Miracle on 34th Street, the original version, I think from the 40s. And I look at, uh, there was a... 
uh, version of Christmas Carol that came out in 1951. I do think that you know we keep trying to update these these films, and I it's possible to do them better. Unfortunately, with these Christmas films that I loved growing up, I'm, I'm anxious to see remakes and anxious to see how directors and producers do it differently. I haven't seen them do it better yet. So maybe I'm just an old guy with a couple of younger ones, but uh, right. the old classics are good for now. me. I'm sorry? I'm going to argue with you now. Okay. You, you get it this time. So you say Home Alone isn't a Christmas movie, but uh, It's a Wonderful Life is a Christmas movie. Christmas doesn't come until the end of It's a Wonderful Life. Like, three-fourths of the movie is not about Christmas, and then at the end, it's Christmassy. It's more of a Christmas film than the others. You can argue that it's not. I think it still is. Uh, there's enough of Christmas in there, even though it's at the end. It is a main part of the end know, of the I'm film. Teasing you. You know what's but you like to tease. We, we love to do this, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, uh, we had one film that gets shown. At, it was a very popular film at Christmas. Again, not much of a Christmas connection. The Bells of St. Mary's. That's a good uh, film. Yeah. Yeah, because there was like one scene in, with a song with Christmas in, in there. But the rest of the film isn't very Christmassy. But that one became a Christmas classic. And actually, in It's a Wonderful Life, you can see, I think they're on TV watching or there's some movie theater showing Bells of St. Mary's. So it has a little appearance in It's a Wonderful Life there, too. Uh, okay. My number one is the original Miracle on 34th Street. Mm -hmm. Um, little trivia on it. Miracle on 34th Street, the original, the producers loved the movie so much, they decided not to release it at a Christmas time and not to market it as a Christmas movie because they thought that would limit its appeal. They said, this is going to be a big hit. We're going to market it as a romantic comedy. We're going to release it in the summertime. And uh, so that's what they did. And now it's, of course, a Christmas classic. Uh the uh, Edmund Gwynn, I think is his name, who plays Santa Claus, mm -hmm. he won Best Supporting Actor for that role. Um, so, uh, great Christmas movie. And It's a Wonderful Life that you mentioned, Larry. Um, Joseph McCarthy tried to get that movie banned. Oh, I remember uh, that story, yeah. yeah. Because it promotes uh, communism and socialism. Because the they tried to make Mr. Potter look like the bad guy just because he was taking advantage of poor people and literally stealing from them. Well, we saw what happened to Joe McCarthy in the end. So all, all's well that ends well there. Uh, gentlemen, thank you. A really great discussion on Christmas movies. I didn't know it was going to get that exciting, but it did. Uh, and nobody mentioned Holiday Inn or White Christmas. And there are families I know that watch White Christmas or Holiday Inn every single year. They either have it in their collection, or they make sure they find it somewhere on TV. So, uh, my wife uh, watches uh, it every year. Well, good. White Christmas. So it's yeah, in and your we family. watch we watch It's a Wonderful Life too. My tastes skew more towards like Bad Santa, Gremlins. A lot uh, of people like Elf now. That's a big Elf is good. I mean, Bad uh, Santa. Bad, Bad Santa is clearly a Christmas movie, <laughs> whether you like it or not. It definitely is. The movie Elf almost didn't get made because Rankin and Bass sued the makers of Elf. Because they said the character was too much resembling the, the elf from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, which it was ripping it off. But did, they, did they settle the, the lawsuit or did they go to court? Uh, they won. Oh, they somehow. won. Somehow. Okay. And no, 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 the makers of Elf won. Oh, okay. So we get to, we get to watch uh, Elf now. Uh, well, they, they could still have it and just pay him off. That's what I, That's what usually happens. Money exchange hands. Alec, you had something. Just remember this when we're talking about Die Hard. John McClane travels with a huge bear for his daughter that is a Christmas gift. 
He's in California attending a Christmas party. He murders somebody and writes, ho, 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 I have a machine gun now on their shirt. At least two Christmas songs play in the movie. Okay. I think he also takes a gun to his back with gift tape. Alec, I so, think this is going to be a crusade for you. So we'll, we'll every <laughs> if we keep doing this for, for several years, this is going to be an annual discussion for us. You're going to make that diehard argument. So that's okay. It's what it's all about. We all can kind of express our views. I want to wish both of you gentlemen a very merry and happy Christmas for your families. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. I know that uh, I plan on doing that. Um, uh, certainly, if you have any last comments before we go, Alec, any th- uh, parting shots before we wrap it up? Uh, I, just some helpful advice for our listeners and uh, the audience. A lot of the IFJA finalists are available easily right now. Um, Ma Rainey is on Netflix, as we discussed. Another round is on VOD. The Assistant is available on Hulu. The Five Bloods is on Netflix. I know First Cow is currently showing on Showtime and Showtime On Demand. I'm Thinking of Ending Things is on Netflix. Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always is on HBO Max right now. And The 20th Century, as Larry mentioned, is on VOD. Uh, Nomadland and Minari will be available on VOD and in theaters in February. Okay, very good points. Adam, any uh, parting shots? Uh, no, but, you know, if if we're going to say Die Hard's a Christmas movie, Frozen is a Christmas movie. There you go. It has a snowman in it. It's Christmassy. I, I wouldn't know, man. I, I tried to watch it with my nieces and fell asleep. <laughs> All right. I'll one of my one of my one of my daughter's favorite films is Frozen, and uh, uh, I'm not going to get into that. I, haven't, I actually haven't seen it. She just loves it that much. I know, gentlemen. Again, enjoy your holiday season. We'll be back as soon as all three of us can uh, get back together sometime after Christmas. So, to our audience, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, as you choose to worship yourselves. And we certainly uh, wish you uh, a very good time watching films. And it's a good time to watch Christmas films or any other kind of film. We hope you find a film you could enjoy and you'll join us next week. In the meantime, be be safe, be kind, and enjoy your holiday season. <laughs>